coming off the top of the cage. It is the top of the cage podcast. I am one of your hosts, Bill, joined always by the promo god, Justin Juice Cannon. Juice, how are we doing this week? Good, man. Me and you are both in a fantasy AW uh, like wrestling league, we just had night one after Dynamite last night. It's recording on a Thursday, and um, right now I'm on top of the top of the board. So a promo is definitely coming on that Discord page. Yeah, my team, my team pulled a kind of a stinker, but that's because I have like I had Jungle Boy. So Jungle Boy is where all my like points came from. But I had like Miro who didn't show up at all. Who else do I have? Yeah, he had like a vignette, but you don't get points for that. Yeah, which I thought was weird. So I thought for promos you get points, but I guess if it's a vignette promo, you don't, which is dumb. You you definitely should have got appearance points at least. Yeah, and I had like Ruby. I have Ruby and I have uh there's another like big player I have too that didn't show up. I just don't remember who it is right now. I can't remember now. It's gonna bug me that I can't remember my like fourth pretty much like star. But anyway. Yeah, it's, I think it's a really cool concept, though. I've never, like, heard of wrestling fantasy before. I've done fantasy football for about 13 years at this point. So, you know, it's pretty cool to see the fantasy wrestling side of things. Because it's weird, too, because it's, like, scripted, you know? Like, or, uh, scripted is the right word. It's, it's weird because it's something that's scripted, and you're, like, essentially betting on something that's yeah technically predetermined. <laughs> Yeah, but I guess you're like you're picking like because there's so many things you get points like you're betting like oh how often are these guys in hardcore matches are these guys heels are they gonna be attacking people a lot you're also betting on like who's gonna win a title win like you're drafting my draft strategy was make sure I get hang fucking hangman because hangman uh, I'm convinced he's gonna win Saturday so like I know that's a that's fifty points right there so like honestly I'm in good shape that. I'm gonna win this week <laughs> right yeah no that's i i was the same way with ruby you know like when because wait what we had done for our drafting order was you pick all your men first then you pick the women first i got the technically second pick because somebody cheated and accidentally picked a woman before they were supposed to yeah. but i got the second woman's pick and i picked ruby because i truly believe that she's going to be the one that wins a tbs title yeah so uh yeah there was a lot of like back and forth on who is good who isn't good so it was pretty cool though because it seems like it seems like most of the teams are pretty fair I mean I know like last night's dynamite kind of wasn't because your team dominated and everybody else's really didn't but yeah there were only three teams that really did well and then everyone else is kind of like meh but um yeah no Ruby is a good pick I mean she appeared last night she did a breakup so that's good yeah, I think she's definitely one of the favorites. I thought Ruby's a better pick than Deeb because you know my love of Deeb runs deep, but she really doesn't appear on TV that often. Ruby appears more, more, so I think that's a good pick there. And Deeb already got limited from the TBS tournament, which you know I knew was going to happen when they had it was a rematch against Sheeta, but it still made me very, very sad. Keeping on the topic of things being sad there was one major wrestling news story that between uh the three interviews we've had and again if you guys have not listened to our interviews with uh levi formerly known as tucker jazz or kevin quinn uh please make sure you do you can find those wherever you find us here you can also check out our social medias for the links there as well but one thing we did not talk about on any of those podcasts was the wwe releases the newest round of wwe releases 
some interesting names. Like they, it's WWE has just been releasing stars, man. I mean, people like Keith Lee, Karrion Cross, Ember Moon. Like, what what do you think, Jeffs? Well, I know one reason cited it was uh, vaccinations, and I think that the fact that four people that were released were couples kind of like confirmed that for me. Like um, Keith Lee and Mia Yim, they're together, so they're probably both not vaccinated. Which um, is a little surprising, but um, Karen Cross and Scarlett probably both not vaccinated because they're they're together. Those are four like well, the, yeah, they're, they're four people that have a lot of fan support. Um, Keith Lee, I think, is just a stallion and should have been. Uh, I thought he was going to win the Royal Rumble in January. And Cross, he has. I thought Cross and Scarlett were a duo that would have made a lot of sense on TV, but. Cross didn't get the fan support once he made it to main roster. They really wasn't given an opportunity to get that support. Also, splitting him up from Scarlet, that was ridiculous. But, you know, all four of them, they'll succeed elsewhere. And also, there's so many other talents, like uh, Oni Lorcan or Biff. I'm excited to see what he does. I've always been a fan. Uh, both the, both members of Lucha House Party are available. Um, Harry Smith, I hope he goes to AW and is in the Owen Hut. Heart Cup on Invitational, B-Fab. That was probably the one that shocked me the most because I thought Hit Row, all four of them together are just magic. And um, I, I thought she was a huge part of Hit Row. She, like, she, she's great in the promos. She has so much potential. Yeah, she really was the glue. Like, I thought she was like the glue. That really held. I mean, people probably credit Swerve as the glue, but I think she's the glue that held the group together. But I still think they'll succeed. But yeah, just a lot of shocking releases. I think for some of these guys, I think it's better because they weren't going to get opportunities in WWE. And I think there'll be greater opportunities with companies like Impact, AW, and New Japan. So we'll see what happens. Good luck to all of them. Definitely. Completely agree. I, I know we've we've already reached out to a few to try and get a podcast. And uh, we've heard some some good things back, some bad things back. But hey, we, uh, we continue to drive content for you all and bring you the best and most up-to-date news we can. Nia Jax also, just kind of going back to the people we were talking about, Nia Jax was a surprising one, but I've, I know I've heard a lot of reports that she is definitely somebody that was not vaccinated and all this stuff. And, you know, again, this is reports and it seemed pretty definite. I don't know if it's actually true or not. And I'd hate to assume things like that, but, you know, it, it, that's a weird one for me. I mean, I know... It's it's also sad to see that a lot of people, especially on Twitter, are very happy about her specifically being released. But like, you got to remember, these are these people's livelihood. These are these most of these people's dreams. I mean, you know, Naya, especially being related to the Anoi family, you know, it's that's in her blood, man. So, you know, I, I do truly wish the best, not only for her, but everybody else that got released. Yeah. And also her situation, like um, she asked for time off to deal with uh, personal issues strengthening her mental health and they gave her a little bit of time then tried to rush her back and then that same week she got released because she said oh i still needed time and also the vaccination is that's just like that's so messed up am i a fan of nijax no i mean i'm not but i like you said it's her livelihood there's plenty of nijax fans out there i'm sorry about that I, i thought i never really thought she'd be one of the ones cut by these releases she was used a lot when she's on TV. She does have a good presence about her. I might not be a fan, but I wish her luck. Um, I know she'll be picked up because um, 
like I said, she has a good presence. And um, she's got the good cocky attitude, too. I mean, she makes a great heel. Um, I'm just not a fan, the biggest fan. But to fans out there of Naya, I hope she goes somewhere that she can give you uh, all you want. And um, good luck to her. And um, I hope her mental health improves as well. Good luck. So since we will be releasing this episode uh, the Monday following Full Gear, got us thinking about AEW pay-per-views and special episodes and kind of what, what would be the Mount Rushmore, in your opinion, of these AEW pay-per-views and special episodes. So uh, what we're going to be doing here is we're going to give our top four of specific AEW pay-per-view and special episodes uh, relevant to the history of AEW, relevant to... Uh, the matches that happened, promos that happened, debuts that happened. And we would love to hear what you guys have to say about this one well on Twitter, Instagram, wherever you guys find us. So, Juice, I'll, uh, I'll let you go first in talking about your four Mount Rushmore episodes slash pay-per-views of AEW. Yeah, uh, this is tough. Uh, AEW is so consistent. And um, even though, in my opinion, there are a couple of pay-per-views that Fence that missed the mark with me. It's very rare that they miss the mark with an episode or a pay per view. Um, also, remember this is before full gear 2021. So, um, after that, maybe that would be in the list because, um, I'm a huge hangman mark and hangman facing Kenny. I said that's gonna be a banger. And there's other bangers on the card Eddie Kingston, CM Punk. I'm really excited for it. So, that. I I expect it to be in the list. I have high, high expectations for it. But I'll just go on to my uh, Mount Rushmore now. First, Grand Slam Night 1. Mainly the Ruby Soho uh, Brit match. At the main event, that was a great match. But of course, the main reason why it's on the Mount Rushmore for me is Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega. That classic 30-minute timeline draw. That was just amazing. Number two would be Double or Nothing 2019, their first pay-per-view when the company got established. Cody Rhodes, Dustin Rhodes, Chris Jericho, Ben Lout. Oh, Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega, and so many other great matches. Um, also, number three would be Double or Nothing 2020. Um, this was during the pandemic era, and uh, Brody Lee and John Max Moxley had a really fun match for the AW title during Moxley's reign. And then the main event was the first stadium stampede, the inner circle versus the elite. Um, that was so much fun and just so wild. So many great matches from that one. I uh, look, it, you know, I think everyone needed something really fun to, during that time, and they definitely hit the mark there uh, and the last one is uh this is my favorite this is probably my favorite pay-per-view of all wrestling the past 10 years um it's all out 2021 it was just a blast um so good Br the brian danielson um debut right after adam cole debuted uh also this christian cage and kenny omega having a great match and my, my match of the night was uh, lucha bros 
versus the Young Bucks and the Steel Cage. And just hearing that Chicago crowd going wild from Lucha Bros and that great heel heat to the Young Bucks. It was fire and a great entrance for Lucha Bros. Um, that, that, that whole card was good. There, there wasn't a bad match. It was just... It was just fun match after fun match after fun match. And the four hours flew by quickly. Um, and I expect this Saturday to be like that really fun. I don't know about debuts, but um, we'll see. It is past the 90-day rules of uh, recently of someone. And, um, you know, and also I am the boy who cried Braun Strowman. <laughs> so, 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 you know, <laughs> maybe I should cry Braun Strowman all right, Billy, it's on you. So that's mine. Uh, I'll, I'll just run through them quick. All Out 2021, Double or Nothing 2019, Double or Nothing 2020, and Grand Slam Night 1. And that's just 2021 because it's the first one. A lot of similarities between yours and I's, which I, I think is pretty definitely definitive for AEW. So first things first, uh, Double or Nothing 2019, just a great pay-per-view top to bottom. So many crazy chaotic things happening. I mean, you get, uh, you know, Chris Jericho defeating Kenny Omega. You get Moxley coming out, the, the double-arm DDT on top of the poker chips. I mean, that, that, that's, that's an iconic AEW moment. You cannot say that's not an iconic AEW moment. And then you have uh, Adam Page winning the first Casino Battle Royale. You have the Cody and Dustin match. You know, I know for people who don't like Cody and... You know, if if you want to not if you want to shoot on Cody, you should go hit up Kevin Quinn on Twitter. That's just great match again, and another Young Bucks Lucha Bros classic as well. This top to bottom great card, really, really. That was one of the big. Hey, AEW is here, guys. They are fucking doing it. So, yeah, I I am a big fan of that one. Uh, my second one I would say is uh, AEW Winter is Coming. I feel like a lot of people probably will say that this card was nothing amazing, but the thing about it, Sting debuted. I mean, fucking Sting debuted in AEW on this episode. How can you not love that? And then you also have MJF and Orange Cassidy, uh, you know, getting to the final two for being the AEW Dynamite uh, diamond ring winners um you had you know not, not really other great matches but then you also had kenny defeating john moxley for the AEW world title which in my opinion kenny's so far and kind of technically still is um a great champion he he is a great champion i mean with, with don Callis coming out being the invisible hands that reveal i thought was also great Again, another another big defining moment for AEW, just with Kenny finally winning the AEW World Championship, Sting debuting, Don Callis being the invisible hand. Overall, some pretty great things happened at that one. Uh, third for me is another one that you and I share, and that is night one of AEW's Grand Slam. I don't think I can say too much more that you didn't already say. The fact that Kenny and Brian went to a time limit draw in a match where people were like, oh, I think Kenny's going to win. No, Brian's going to win. It's it was masterclass. You know, not too many times you see a time limit draw done as well as that one was. And I, what I loved about it is those two dudes just beat each other up until like the literal last seconds of the match. That's you know, typically with the time limit draw, you see guys rushing to get a pinfall or rushing. You know, maybe they're outside of the ring trying to beat the final ten count or whatever it might be. But no, I just like that those two dudes were just in the middle of the ring slapping each other, kicking each other, just 
beating the shit out of each other. Those those matches really get me going. My last one that I would put on there is the Brody Lee Celebration of Life. And that one is, I think, pretty self-explanatory. Uh, I really was a big Brody fan, especially as the Exalted One. I thought that this was just an overall beautiful you know, presentation of a life of a beautiful person. You know, the matches that were on it were all pretty great. You know, you got to see Hangman and uh, Reynolds and Silver defeat the Inner Circle. You got to see Anna Jay and Tay Conti get their dub over uh, Britt and Penelope Ford. And then you saw, you know, just the general other members of the Dark Order and various other matches of that night. And you could just tell, you know, the celebration of life was was beautiful and everybody in AEW and seemingly all over the wrestling world loved Brody and you know it, it was just absolute class by AEW and that's why I think it deserves to be on their Mount Rushmore. It was really classy and um it was really emotional and great event like I I, I popped so many times during it and um uh, when uh Eric Rowan came out with the sign that that made me like <laughs> almost break down. It was it was good. It was, it was a great one. That was almost a mine too. Those are our Mount Rushmore so far. Maybe they'll change <laughs> very soon because uh, you know I'm I extremely excited for full gear. And that's us hyping that up. So now for another AW topic. As we know, the TBS Women's Championship. They're having a tournament inside the first champion for that. And there's also talks about a possible another. And that's um, a six-man tag belt, like we've seen in New Japan, Ring of Honor, and a few other promotions. Billy, do you want six-man tag belts in AEW, if you, or do you think it's unnecessary? So I think AEW has a plethora of factions, and a lot of those factions are at least you know three-plus people. And I think that trios titles really work well for companies that have factions like that. The company or uh, factions that especially within AEW, a lot of them co-mingle within storylines so it's pretty easy to kind of set up a storyline pretty naturally especially from where they've come from to where they are now you know i would love to see somebody like the super click holding it or you know maybe if if uh penta and ray can get pack back on their side or you know maybe andrade turns into the dark side and they team with andrade or you know I, I, the dark order can be thrown in there I mean, any combination of three members of the Dark Order, I think, would all work really well there. You know, be it maybe you get like Silver, uh, Reynolds, and 10 or 5, whoever it might be, or Uno, Stu, and Colt, or, you know, some, something along those lines. I just think that there is so much possibility within AEW to truly make these titles great. And I'm not a major six-man tag fan I've, I've always really liked traditional tag team wrestling but I think with the caliber of talent that would be in this division for those titles uh, within AEW that it would work really well yeah I think I, I actually really do like six-man tag matches and I think AEW has been really excelling at them I think there's things to look on both sides of this negatives they only have three hours of TV time. I know they got dark and elevation, but like, it's not really, that's not really where titles are really defended. So yeah, they have three hours of TV right now. They'd have to expand the TV time to really fit another title, especially a 16 tag title. And also, or CM Punk brought it up in a recent podcast uh, by Robbie Fox, my mom's basement. I was listening to it and um, 
Robbie asked him about the TBS title and um, the six-man tag. And he said, he said, it's great that the women are getting like a tournament to uh, showcase their skills and more getting TV time and stuff like that. But too many titles kind of devalues the whole, um, you know, concept of titles. So he said, you know, it, it, less is more. And I agree with that. Like uh, less titles is good, especially if you only have three hours TV time. If they expand the TV time, like if, if Dynamite's three and Rampage is two or they're both two and a half or something like that, uh, 100% be down because I do like six-man tags. And with the amount of factions, six-man tag division would definitely work. Like you get more spotlight for like the trio, certain trios. Like 2.0, I, I found them funny in a NXT. I want them to be used more in 2.0 and Daniel Garcia, I think. So that'd be cool to get them some more time. Yeah, it's just, I want it, I say yes to six-man tag belts if AW really works on expanding the time they are on cable TV. If not, then no, because too many belts when you only have so limited TV time is just unnecessary. And that's that's definitely fair. I mean, you see it with, with WWE that they have so much time, but seemingly so little product that... Yeah, I, I, I think that if they do go with extending their their time for their shows, that this would be a great division to add. But I don't know. I, I feel like I'm worried if their roster is already so – I don't want to say bloated because I really don't actually feel like they're bloated, but then you kind of look at it and you see just how many people are truly signed to AEW. And, you know, when you and I – or are coming, right? And you and I, again, are part of a wrestling fantasy draft league. And, you know, some of our people, you know, like we have people like me, like I have somebody like Miro, you know, recently the most, you know, recently lost his TNT championship. Literally a former champion was not on one of their, or their rather marquee show, their rather marquee Wednesday night show. So, you know, <laughs> it just makes me worried if they do, you know, but... I, I think that the creative team and the overall like, structural team of AEW are all very smart and will make the right business decision. So if they do truly decide to go with these six-man tag titles, I'm confident they'll make it work. Yeah, or at least just get title fights on Dark and Elevation more and uh, make them, because then pe more people will actually care about those. Because a lot of those, there's like 14 matches on a Dark card. They're all like three minutes long. I'm just like I don't want to watch them. <laughs> like, there's only usually like of those 14, there's only like one or two matches that are good. <laughs> yeah, but if they can get six man tag belt and use that dark and elevation a bit, uh, that definitely make people more interested to watch and add another like match to watch too. Because I'd love to see like Daniel Garcia in 2.0 in a title match against uh, John Silver or Alex Reynolds and Cocabana or something. Um, and plenty of other factions. Like, I love J.D. Drake. I'm a big J.D. Drake guy. And, uh, I'd love to see him actually, like, compete for a belt. And he's in a faction. So definitely would be in a six-man tag. Like him and Nemeth and um, Pete Avalon, stuff like that. Yeah, there's a lot to do. I will see what they do. I'm excited what they do. Um, you know, I try. you're right. They have good creative. So I trust they'll make the good business decisions. Tony Khan's a good businessman. 
is time for How Would You Book Them, where we strap on our fantasy booking hats for storyline dreams and so a writing team will hire us. Juice, I, I thought of this one recently because I remember there was a pretty popular like edited picture of the, I think it was the 2017 Royal Rumble poster that depicted AJ Styles going head to head with Shawn Michaels. Because I don't know if you remember, I don't know if, if that is during the time when you were just getting back into wrestling, where that was like the heaviest speculated dream match that could happen because now AJ Styles was finally in WWE. He was catching his stride. He really had the fans behind him. And it was getting around that time where Shawn Michaels did that faithful Saudi Arabian pay-per-view where him and uh, Triple H took on the Brothers of Destruction. But, you know, people were saying, oh, well, we don't want Shawn Michaels to, to have his last match be that. Let's give him AJ Styles and let them burn the house down. Let Shawn truly have that passing of the torch moment to AJ Styles. So uh, what I want to pose to here tonight and how would you book them is how would you book the Shawn Michaels versus AJ Styles fantasy feud circa 2017-2018? I think I'd just really center it about in-ring work and less the the storyline really focusing about who's the better in-ring technical wrestler, who's the better worker. So I'd make it a series and a long series. And I know uh, a big complaint of WWE is rematches. But the thing is, if it's rematches against two top stars that can make anything work and you add stipulations, it works. I mean, Shawn Michaels and Undertaker had two of the greatest matches of all time. And um, they tossed it up many other times too in different type matches. Um, and I think AJ and Shawn Michaels in like a three match or five, either in a trilogy or I'd even like do a five match series, expand, it would work. So I'd book it like, yeah, I'd book in a three or five match series, probably a five because um, also make sure to get Triple H involved, make Shawn, I, I think I'd make Shawn Michaels the heel. I think that's tough. I mean, it's tough who to make the heel, make the face. I actually, you know, if if it since it's Shawn Michaels' final feud, I'd make him the face, and uh, people would cheer him for him, make AJ Styles the, the heel in that situation, and um, I think I definitely of the five matches, I'd have a Hell in a Cell in there, I'd have three normal matches, and then the fifth, I think I'd have. Maybe a ladder match <laughs> because the AJ he can fly and Shawn Michaels one of his the greatest matches if not the greatest match of his career was a ladder match at WrestleMania 10. So definitely have to have a ladder match between those two. You can't not have a you can not have a ladder match. And also Hell Cell is also necessary for Shawn Michaels feud as well. And of the I said three regular matches, but I think one of those would be. It would be regular rules. It would be like a two out of three falls. So do two normal matches, two out of three falls match, Hell in a Cell, a ladder match. And um, I'd probably have a ladder match for, I mean, you have to have something for the ladder match, right? So um, I know Shawn Michaels older. People are like, oh, a feud would be just a send-off Shawn, so it shouldn't be center a title. But you have to have a ladder match, I think, for a Shawn Michaels final feud. So I'd throw a title in there. And um, 
I think I'd have AJ win it. That'll be the final match. I'll have AJ win. Um, yeah, and really, Sean passed the torch onto AJ. Got so many comparisons there. And I think that's how I do that view. How would I book that? It's interesting because I'm going to go in like a completely different direction than you. I feel like typically with these, how would you book them? Like we usually go in a pretty similar direction, but for me, I'm, I'm going completely other way. So I'm thinking that we set this up starting at the Royal Rumble. So what would happen, uh, you know, Royal Rumble match goes on. AJ enters somewhere around like 10 to 15 is doing really well, having a good showing as AJ Styles does. And then maybe around like 2025, you go three, two, one. And then you hear, you think I'm cute. No, sex. And then crowd, crowds popping. People are flying out of their seats. People can't believe it. HBK is back, returning at the Royal Rumble. And the first person that like greets him in the ring is a stare down with AJ Styles. Have them trade blows, have them go in the middle of the ring for about two, three minutes till the next, you know, next person comes into the match. And then have them be probably within the last like six to seven guys in the match, I'd say. And what I would do, have AJ throw somebody over the top rope, getting real cocky, yelling over the rope, just like, you know, getting getting ready to you know just be cocky aj styles and he turns around with Shawn michaels tuning up the band gearing it up super kicks him right over the top rope sweet chin music aj's gone aj's throwing a fit at ringside distracts sean somebody throws sean over at that point too and then they have a little bit of a brawl on the outside and that starts setting them up for a wrestlemania feud I think you have AJ and the club, because I do believe during this point, the club was still with the WWE and associated with AJ Styles. You start having the club and AJ taunting Sean, taunting Triple H, you know, trying to, to get that match with Sean at WrestleMania for AJ Styles. And AJ goes on to saying, you know, oh, you're the true Mr. WrestleMania. You know, I'm the new Mr. WrestleMania, blah, 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 blah. And then maybe at some point, you know, in those pay-per-views that are between Royal Rumble to, to uh, WrestleMania, you have a six-man tag between AJ, Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson against a combination of, I'm going to say probably like Shawn Michaels, Triple H, maybe Road Dog. Um, you know, maybe you can get another superstar involved there. Maybe even if AJ's feuding with somebody prior to the Royal Rumble, you know, they just, they come to the aid of, of Sean and Triple H at that point, honorary members of DX for that night. And then I would have that whole feud build up to WrestleMania, right? Just one of the marquee matches on WrestleMania. No title, no special stipulation, just two of the greatest to ever work in the ring going one-on-one -on -one at the show of the Immortals. Um, I would have AJ go over. I'd probably have them go probably like 20, 25 minutes, depending on how well Sean could move at that point in his life and how well he could work. And, you know, I, I would definitely would not want to blow Sean up, especially because I know AJ would work a very safe style. Sean work a very safe style, probably something that could definitely attest to both of them being able to go a little bit longer in the ring than, than normal. And I would have AJ go over. Uh, he would be playing the heel, Sean would be playing the face. Crowd would probably cheer either way. I'm I'm going to assume there probably will be mostly boos, you know, but I, I think the crowd would definitely recognize that as Sean passing the torch. 
you know, give Sean that like five minutes after the match to, you know, let the crowd say, thank you, Sean, HBK, whatever they're going to chant and, you know, give them that one last WrestleMania moment, you know, you can send off the crowd happy. And, and yeah, I think that's how I would book that. I would leave it at one match too. I don't think I would do a series. I like that. Makes sense. And like, you do something special, you definitely don't want to overdo it. And I guess from mine, I'm thinking Shawn Michaels could go, but he probably couldn't go in five matches. Yours is definitely more realistic. I probably like yours more. And um, we've seen like Shawn in a similar like thing with Undertaker um, going like the Royal Rumble, then turn it to WrestleMania and do a classic. Definitely work. I mean, they're two studs. I'd love to see that. I like that. And it is now time for one of our other recurring segments. It is the Young Stud Studette Spotlight where we shine a light on wrestlers under the age of 29 who are up and coming and somebody we truly believe will make their big impact in the wrestling world slash has already made their big impact in the wrestling world. Uh, so juice, I will let you go first with your young stud stud at that you are bringing to the spotlight tonight. Mine is 29. It's only got time. So I have to use them now. And I just turned 29. That's uh, New Japan's Jay White. There's so much I can say about Jay White. Uh, he's incredible. He's still still under 30. He's one of the best on the mic. I think he's top five in the mic in any promotion. And when he goes to a he, – he will go to AW or WWE eventually, 100%. I mean, he's had – there's been a lot of talk about WWE being interested in him. Um, he's a star, and this dude just has bangers. Um, Matches I can recommend. I can recommend hundreds of matches. Matches this dude doesn't have bad matches. He said some of the greatest matches I've ever seen. Um, him and Tomohiro Ishii, another legend. Uh, I mean, Tomohiro Ishii's a legend. One of my favorite all-time wrestlers. Um, they had a match at G1 Climax in 2020 in October. Um, that that's probably my favorite match of Jay White's. And um, every time he goes in the ring, he's fought Ishii multiple times, and it's never been below four stars. Another match, he just was at Wrestle Kingdom and uh, faced Ibushi. That was really good. Um, I can think of countless others, but I'll stick with those two. <laughs> to overwhelm Jay White is a stallion. He is one of the top heels around, one of the best in the mic. Um, he's so fucking good. Uh, I, I can't. He a dream feud for me for him is if he went to AW. I know people hate on heel versus heel feuds, but I'd love to see him and MJF do a heel versus heel feud faction versus faction. Um, I think the promos would just be fire and intense. That's my uh, young stud. So now we can go to yours, Billy. Or you can say if you want to say anything about either way, either or. Yeah, I mean, I'll just say I, I really like Jay White. Uh, he is definitely somebody that has been on the up and coming out of New Japan, especially. And I have always just seen good things be said about him. I mean, being in the Bullet Club, I feel like automatically kind of makes you, uh, you know, a star. I feel like only really He's stars. The leader in the Bullet Club. Right. Well, that's, that's kind of what I was meaning. As, as you know, you see guys like Finn and AJ you know, coming out and Cody too, I guess, technically coming out and just 
being bigger stars and outside promotions. And I, I don't see anything less for Jay. So I really do hope that the switchblade comes somewhere soon. I think he's going to go WWE. I don't know if he'll go EW though. So, uh, yeah. So let's move, move to yours. Definitely a person I want to talk about as well. Yes. And she is definitely a stud and a stud at, and she is actually somebody that we've had the pleasure of interviewing on this podcast before and she is Dave Yen. She is the current chaotic wrestling heavyweight champion. She has held countless titles across various other promotions. She has recently been uh, on AEW Dark, and she is just a boss ass bitch. I will say that. She has this great presence to her in the ring. Um, you know, she she said herself that working on promos is tough, but I think that she's a pretty good promo because she the thing about what she does is she backs everything up. She says in the ring and her style is great. She works well with men, women, anybody she steps in the ring with, whether it's a tag team match, a singles match for the championship. I, I think Davian is going to sign somewhere, hopefully within the next couple of years before, uh, you know, she's currently 26. So that's a lot of time in the wrestling world left for her another, you know, almost probably if, if she stays healthy and I'm hoping she stays healthy, you know, another 20 years almost at that point, depending on how seeing how wrestlers are working nowadays. So uh, a match that I would recommend of hers is actually a match that you and I saw in person at the haunting in Tewksbury against Anthony Green. Uh, Davian had said herself on the podcast that any match her and AG have are truly barn burners. And I would have to agree with that. I think that that, both played to each other's strengths really well. Uh, it was really nice to see Davian get some character work in with JT Dunn uh, having a little bit of nuisance towards the end of the match. And, you know, there was there was times where they threatened to use the title as a weapon for a DQ, both her and Anthony Green. And, you know, I, I think you guys should definitely go out of your way to check out a lot of her work on Chaotic and Shimmer and MLW and wherever else she pops her head up at. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, love Davy as a guest. I'm excited to see her face JD Drake at Breaking Point upcoming. And also, I missed the last chaotic event, so I'm looking forward to this Sunday to watch on. You can watch it on Twitch, Chaotic Wrestling. Um, it's balanced power. It's a great card, and she faced uh, Mike Verna. Mike Verna definitely a name to follow, and um. Hey, maybe we'll interview him. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to watch that match. And also, she had a great match with uh, Anthony Green that we saw, as Billy said. And uh, I also recommend her matches JT Dunn, especially at the one at History Maker when she finally beat him. Definitely watch those because JT's great, great wrestler. Davey's great. Um, I hope we see Davey on TV one day because she's um definitely got star power she's definitely uh fantastic and yeah look forward to see what she does both in the near future and in the distant future so yeah those are our uh, young studs davy and jay white and now we move on to the best and only recurring segment that has appeared on most of our normal episodes not our interview episodes and that is push job release and juice for anybody who might be new around here just listening to the first time you want to explain what push job release is about 
Yeah, so um, it's our version of fuck, Mary kill, let's be real. <laughs> but it's a little um, pushing a star, so just making them your franchise player, your top of the card, uh, world champion, the face of the company. Job doesn't doesn't really necessarily mean that they'll job and only lose and be a jobber. It, it just means that the, mat, the, the most they can achieve under you is a mid-card champion, a gatekeeper to the upper card. Uh, release, you have to make a tough decision. Um, it sucks, but uh, no better opportunities elsewhere. And you have to cut someone from the roster. So um, we'll start with mine. It's uh, Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks, and Britt Baker. Um, I'll, just, I'll just go right into it. Um, I would, I would push, Brish, Brit, I push Britt Baker. I would job. No, actually, I gotta strike that. This is freaking tough. Um, I think I, I think I'd push Becky Lynch. I job Britt Baker. I'd release Sasha Banks. Um, that was extremely tough. I don't want to release any of them, but I think. Becky's just got the biggest star power, biggest fan support. Uh, she's a great worker. She tells such a great story in the ring. She can play heel or face really well. Um, she's a star. She's definitely got to be the top of the card. She can't be a mid-carder. It's not convincing. Um, Britt, I think she could be a Britt. She's, all three of these are upper cards. Um, all should be in the top of the card in their divisions. But... We have to make a tough chance choice. Uh, Britt's my fame, favorite promo of the three. I think she's the least skilled in the ring, not taken away from her in-ring talent. She's talented. But, uh, yeah, I, I, that's a good job. And I released Sasha because I think – I know the Sasha Banks dance are wild. They'll probably, like, hang me for saying this, but um, I'd release her because even though she has some of my – I think of these three – She's had my favorite match, and it's her and uh, Bailey in the Iron Iron Woman match. But um, yeah, I, she's not she's not really the best promo, and um, sometimes she just disappears, and that's more so booking than than her. But uh, I just think the other two are more reliable, and I can keep them in my company, use them in any situation. While Sasha Banks is situation dependent, so I'd release her, and I wouldn't um will sleep over it, feel guilty because she's gonna get signed as soon as in my company I wouldn't have a 90-day rule they can just sign with freaking five minutes later for all I care and she would get signed um not even five minutes she gets signed probably 10 seconds I'd probably hang up the phone and then her phone would ring <laughs> yeah and she got an offer because she's a star so that's that's what I do for that for those three I like the way you think. So I think though, that I would definitely push Becky. Like you said, I truly believe that out of these three, she is the most mainstream, you know, mogul woman, woman's star power, you know, in any women's wrestler right now. There's, I really don't think many can match the level of Becky that Becky's at right now. For my job, I do think that I'm going to try and keep Sasha Banks within my company. Again, purely for the star power reason. I think that given the right feud, and I think we've seen it plenty of times as well, that Sasha and Becky could be akin to like the stone cold rock 
rivalry, you know, being that Sasha can go on the mic and go on the ring. Becky can go on the mic, go on the ring. Sasha probably had to play more of a face because Becky, I, I will eat my, I'm going to eat humble pie here and say that I did not think Becky was going to work as a heel coming back, but Becky has really worked to get those boos worked to be a heel and it is working. I, I will say that I'll eat the humble pie, but I think Sasha would have to work as a face against her. You know, if, if I can get her to, you know, to be that, that jobber level of, you know, she's the gatekeeper, you know, Becky, Becky would probably call her out for being that low on the card consistently. But I think Sasha, if I introduce something like a women's secondary title would be a great holder of that. And, you know, just an overall great measuring stick to other women that come into my company. And then I'd release Brit. The reason why I'd release Brit is probably because she is a, my least favorite out of these three. And that's not saying that she isn't great. I think that she's amazing. I think she's an amazing talent. It's just more of, I think that how I'd want to position my company would probably be with more well-established women stars right off the bat. Not to say that Brit's not established. I mean, she is the AEW women's champion. Like that's pretty fucking established, but Becky and Sasha, I think have just been on TVs longer. Fans have more recognition towards them and it's nothing against Brit. I think that she still does have a few things to work on, but you know, again, she's one of those people she gets released. She's snatched up in a heartbeat. So uh, let's transition to your PGR. A little, a little different. To the yeah, I, I went a little, went a little old school with mine. I was thinking of some old WCW stars, and uh, I am bringing to the table for our push job release from my end is Sting, Ric Flair, and DDP, Diamond Dallas Page. So I have been thinking pretty hard about this, and. I think that I would push Sting. I think I would give Sting the proper NWO storyline he deserved, getting proper wins, no funky finishes, proper championship reigns, proper top guy shit for Sting. And it feels weird to say that I would job Ric Flair, but I think I would job Ric Flair because, again, the, the nature boy, you, you just can't have the nature boy, especially with that mid 80s, early 90s, you know, power that he had. You know, the tear in my eye, Ric Flair promo would, would just pop anybody at any genre or any, any age at that time as well. I keep him in my company, though. I don't want to lose Rick. I mean, the mind for the business he has, the promos he can cut, you know, definitely would help get people up to the main card or working in the mid card as needed. And then I'd release DDP. That's, I think I'd only release DDP purely due to the age that he started wrestling at and the age that he got really popular at. You know, it's he's already kind of have had lost some time at that point. And, you know, not to say that he wasn't great and not to say that he could really work and move in the ring and had great character work, but... You know, Sting and Ric Flair, it, it is tough putting DDP up against them because they all three are such legends. But, you know, unfortunately, I think DDP would get released. But again, if he ain't in my WCW, he's in my rival WWE. Uh, I think for this one, um, I'm also releasing DDP. I, I've never been the biggest, I mean, they were a little bit before my time, but like I go back and watch Nitro, so it's not like I'm familiar with the stuff. And, um, I actually watched all Nitro. Um, yeah, so 
But I've never been a biggest Sting or DDP fan, even though Sting has some great matches, but never really, just, they never really connected much for me. Um, so I'd push Ric Flair pretty easily. I think he's the best of the three. Um, he can do it all. And I think he definitely has to be an upper card. I would job, I think I'd job Sting just because he, I think he's the second most popular act. And from a business standpoint, I think I'd have to keep him. And I would release DDP. Um, I think he's the least valuable three. And that's, he's still, you know, valuable. He's a great guy, too. He seems like a great man. Um, I think he would be good in the locker room to have. But I think I just, from a business standpoint, I'd, I'd take the other two. Because um, you're running a company. You have to make the, the hard decisions. So, yeah, that's why I do. Uh, push Rick. Job stand. Release DDP. Fair. I mean, that's, that's tough. That, that one was definitely a tough one. I, I think it stinks because I was trying to think of a guy to put in DDP spot. I almost put Hogan in there because I feel like that would have been a pretty good third, but I feel like I would also still release Hogan at that point too, just because I was never like, I was never really the biggest Hulkamaniac. So um, yeah, I don't know, but I, I respect everything he's done in the business. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I'd still release Hulk. And a big reason why, when I was a kid, not even like um, one of my favorite movies when I was a little kid, and still one of my favorite movies now is The Princess Bride. And um, who's who's a big main character, Princess Bride, Under the Giant. So I've always loved Under the Giant. So I always been more of an Under the Giant guy than Hulk. So anti Hulk. Um, yeah. So I'd, I'd release Hulk probably too. If he was there and said GDP had the same. All right, Juice. And we will end our episode here tonight with another little debate topic, a good one that I think you brought up. So I'll let you go first about it. Do you believe that underdog storylines within wrestling are overdone? No, I don't think so. And I think you just think of some of the storylines. Let's just go to recently. We can go recently and we go in the past, but um, I'll start with recently. And you think of some of the storylines that are really hitting right now. Kenny Omega and Hangman. That's probably the hottest feud right now. That's we've got all so many fans' attention, including both of ours. I know this could be classified as several types of storylines and not just an underdog. So I'm a little cheating here, but I got more examples. But um. Hangman, this is an underdog feud. He is the he is the underdog. Hangman's the underdog in this feud. Kenny's the number one PWI. A guy has beaten Hangman before. The guy considered the the top guy when they were in a tag team. Um, so many expectate more expectations for him. Um, Hangman has attacked a lot of adversity over the past year and in his AW career. He's come short for the title before. <clears throat> So he is underdog, and so many people, including both of us, are invested in the storyline. Um, another example recently of an underdog storyline that people really connected to that was shorter, but um, I'd say, well, no, this one, I'm going to go with a different one, a long one. Um, Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens, they feuded once again well, during Roman Reigns' travel chief reign, and it lasted about, ended that route, like, Royal Rumble. And um, 
people were extremely invested in that because Reigns was killing it and people loved KO and KO was the underdog in that and people loved it and um, fans were all the rage about it and all the matches delivered. And I think last example, I mean, I can think of countless examples recently and in the past that people connected the underdog storylines. I don't think they're ever overdone. I think it's, I think underdog storylines are the basis of wrestling. And it's like people say, um, like there's certain like storylines and um, underdog storylines in anything, not just wrestling. And anything is, I don't think can ever be overdone. Um, sometimes they get predictable, but I think they still always are the best way to connect with audiences. And another, my last example, and then I'll let you take the mic here and um, debate a little bit on the other side. I think an older example is, uh, we just talked about it earlier in the pod. We talked about Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan and Andre Giant, that's, um, I'm not the biggest fan of the match, but the storyline that was all the rage at the time. And it, it's what made WrestleMania a spectacle, WrestleMania 3. The matchup between them, <clears throat> that was an underdog storyline. Andre the Giant was a unstoppable, massive man. And Hulk Hogan, the real American, had the, the Hulkamaniacs, had to rally behind him and give him the strength and encouragement to beat this unstoppable, immovable object. And um, he was able to do it in the big choke slam. And the, that... That storyline, that underdog storyline, made WrestleMania the show of shows, the spectacle that is today. So I, I don't, I, I don't think they're overdone. I don't think they will ever be overdone. I don't think there's a way to make them overdone. So that's that's my, uh, that's my stance on that. So Bill, I'll, I'll let you take it. Yeah, I, I think everything you brought up is is pretty fair, but I still feel like they're overdone to a point. I think that they have their their role in wrestling. Like you said, it's it's definitely a major storyline component in a lot of wrestling. But one thing you mentioned is the predictability about them, and that's kind of what I am a little wishy-washy about them. Obviously, the story of Hangman and Kenny is extremely well told, but the only thing about it is, like, it is predictable. Like, I would bet money that Hangman is going to win this weekend, slash the previous day weekend and i i don't know like it, it just it seems like to me underdog stories really peaked with the daniel bryan wrestlemania 30 you know the yes movement beating the odds against triple h beating randy orton and batista in a triple threat to win the the unified championship and you know to me that's where underdog storylines peaked Daniel Bryan had proved that little guys can work the bigger guys, work the stars, and, you know, they can be stars. That's kind of like, where do you go from there, right? That's, what, that's the other side of the coin for underdog storylines is where do you go from there? Are they underdog against everybody they've beaten? Or everybody they're going to face rather in their reign now? You know, like how, how do you continue to book the character that was – their, their storyline was they are an underdog to being believable now. You know, you spent the last nine months telling everybody you're not going to be able to do it. You're not going to be able to do it. And then they do it. Now, what? you know, that, that's kind of where I feel like they're overdone because I just worry about how they come out on the other side of it. I, granted, Daniel Bryan is a legend and definitely found himself, you know, being the goat, the beard, 
um, you know, having the yes movement behind him. But I mean, really between that moment and honestly, I think that the hangman moment, this, this particular storyline going on right now between hangman and, and the elite is the, is only the most recent underdog storyline that I've found to not only be really believable, but to have actually worked since Daniel Bryan's WrestleMania 30 storyline. But what I'm worried about for Hangman is what happens after he beats Kenny. I know that there's a lot of great matches he can have. I know that guys like Brian, guys like Punk, you know, guys like, you know, maybe a Miro or something like that too can, can, Hang, can tussle with Hangman. But I'm just worried about what, follows with underdogs so that's the only reason why i think they're overdone like i i just i feel like we peaked with daniel bryan not too much is really coming out after that besides this hangman thing but even then i i just am a little worried with what happens after that's fair and um i got a couple points that counter some of things you said um you said so since since wrestlemania 30 there wasn't had been one that connected you did the kofi and daniel bryan not connect you because i that's definitely underdog so is it an underdog story or is it like uh i think so overlooked talent story i think i think they're both kind of the same because like 15 years of um just being overlooked and that if you're overlooked you are underdog i mean you are forgotten underestimated which that's definition underdog. So I think it definitely is. And they even like calling him the underdog in the story too, in the commentary. I mean, I think. Yeah, I guess. Cause they, but they, I guess. Yeah. Cause they repli- they replicated the momentum that Daniel had from WrestleMania 30, you know, they, they tried to, but again, that, that's kind of what I'm getting at though, is like a lot of the things that they used in that feud, cause it was especially because it was with Daniel Bryan was like to, to mimic not, I don't want to say mimic because I don't want to say they're necessarily copying the actual like WrestleMania 30 moment, but like, you know, like they, they've relied upon that moment for a lot of like the content that happened within that feud. Now I'm not, I'm not going to say it was bad because I, I was one of those people that jumped out of my seat and I was fucking cheering when Kofi won the title. Cause it was absolutely well-deserved and definitely Cody, uh, Kofi as a worker deserved to get that moment. But yeah, I, I, that, that connected with me. I'll, I'll, I'll eat the humble pie there and say I connected with that. But it's still like, I don't know. Like, it, it, it just it, it just had comparisons to the Daniel Bryan WrestleMania 30. And that's, again, like I'm saying, it, it just didn't – that's what it had to live up to, right? Like, that was like the – that was like the, the – um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the the mile marker, pretty much, right for underdog stories. It's like that is the kind of emotion, the kind of crowd reaction, the kind of championship win that you want to see in those storylines. That's true. Um, I can think of another example. I know you. I can't really ask if it connected you because yeah, you don't really watch Impact. But recently, Josh Alexander had a little feud with Christian Cage, and he beat Christian Cage, and. Um, I think that was really well done. And he was clearly the underdog because Christian's one of the greatest TNA champions of all time, one of the greatest wrestlers. And um, and then I think what they did, he said, what's next? Making something interesting that happens next. Now, Alexander beat him, and then his child and wife came to the ring to celebrate this great heartwarming mo- mo- uh, moment. <clears throat> Earlier in the night, they had their call your shot gauntlet. And Moose won it. 
And that means you get a little trophy and you get a title opportunity whenever you want. It's like the Money Bank briefcase. So as Josh Alexander is hugging his children, his wife and child, celebrating his win, finally getting a world champion, just beat Christian Cage, you see a shape <laughs> standing behind him. <laughs> is Moose. I thought the pay-per-view was over. Uh, my buddy Matt was standing up. He's about to leave. <laughs> we, we're, we're, I'm standing up too because I'm like, I'm about to turn it off. No, Moose is standing there. Moose then cashes in right there. Um, and he beats him. And I think that is just such a wild way to end and continue an underdog story. And this isn't the first time that something like that has happened. We've seen it happen to Daniel Bryan during his road to WrestleMania 30. Um, we've seen other times where underdogs like a John Cena or like people getting cashed in or like um, these beautiful moments getting spoiled. And I think that's a great way to continue these underdog stories. And also another way to continue underdog stories is a storyline has to end. And I think the underdog finally winning is a good way to end it. And then you make a new um, the story form and you change it like talking about let's I'm gonna go draw on a comparison it's not wrestling related I'll go football 2001 the New England Patriots defeated the the Rams St. Louis Rams uh, Pats 100% were the underdogs the greatest show on turf that's what the Rams were called and um that but they won the Super Bowl and uh, that kind of ended their underdog story. And then it started the dynasty. And there were no longer underdogs after that point. And um, we've seen wrestling do that too, <laughs> that it, the underdog story ends and then the dynasty begins. Um, and I, I think that's a great way to transition to it too. And John, even AEW, that's probably kind of what happened to John Moxley when he beat Chris Jericho. Um, like a dynasty in a long reign of of dominance started. A couple of Roman Reigns title reigns have happened that way. And I think um, Reigns, uh, you know, things have, they succeeded and successfully transitioned from the underdog storyline. I think it's, I think it's a storyline that's easy to branch off and create new storylines in. You Either the, oh, the, the great moment, underdog moment spoiled by the heel that <laughs> cashes in and steals the glory like what moose did to josh alexander which is just was just wild to me and then also you you get the the dynasty starting through these wins and stuff like that um i just yeah i think that's just the, the counter that i have there yeah i i think that's all fair i think that um yeah, I, I I like it. You know, it's not that I don't like the storylines. Like I said, I just worry what happens after. But I, I think you bring up some good points. I think, you know, hopefully it does start a dynasty. Yeah, um, definitely rooting for a hangman. Because, of course, this segment was, I presented this segment because, because um, <laughs> even though this, this is going to be after uh, the match, we're calling it for us. I, I kind of wanted to make relevant topics that could be timely and um, connect to the pay-per-view, but can be released after. Because you can talk about underdog storylines whenever you want. <laughs> Same thing with the AEW pay-per-views. 
if, if you guys want to let us know what you think about underdog storylines, uh, let us know on social media. And uh, as we approach the end of our episode, Juice, uh, why don't you let the people know where they can find us on social media? Yeah. So uh, Twitter, capital T, capital O, capital T, capital C, underscore capital T, lowercase O, lowercase D. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram as well. And it's uh, T-O-T-C underscore pod, all lowercase letters. Um, also, if you have time, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Definitely help. Um, share it. You know, let's get the following up. And um, Billy said, engage about what you think about underdog scoring lines. Also, you know, put your PJRs, the ones we use, or recommend some of your own. Maybe um, talk about the young studs a bit and matches that you want. Um, that you th- uh, ones that we didn't mention that you think people should see or whatever uh, engage with us talk with us we want to talk yes and as we come crashing down we want to thank you again for tuning in and we do hope that we catch you next time <laughs>